Welcome to the Sports Predictor Podcast. I'm your host, Al Walsh. We are brought to you by SportsPredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the Sports Picks packages from long-term winning bettors. Once again, that's SportsPredictor.com. Also, make sure you follow us on Twitter, at PredictorHQ. Once again, that's at PredictorHQ. All right, on tonight's uh, podcast, we've got Chris Dawson back with us uh, to break down week five of the NFL season. You can find Chris on Twitter at Cash Gritty. Once again, at Cash Gritty. Chris, how'd that week four go for you? It was great, Al. Thanks for having me tonight. Glad to to talk to you again. Uh, Last week was off to a good start. Um, Thursday night opened up with the Eagles money line for the win. Nice. Sunday got a little crazy. Um, went three and six for the day, but was able to profit uh, due to having the Raiders, the Panthers, and the Browns money line. Um, and then finished up strong Monday, going one and zero with the Steelers. Right. So it was a profitable week. I, I wish we could have we I, we talked. We could have added another one. I, I went uh, Titans money line on that one. Had a nice score. Oh, for myself. great! That that might have been one of the easiest underdog money lines. Well, obviously. Uh, you know, once you get the ball rolling on the game. But, you know, it felt like the first five minutes of that one, we are like, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, we're getting in there. Yeah, now the Titans uh, showed up. It was um, kind of a surprise to me that they, um, you know, that Atlanta didn't put a better defensive performance at home. But good call for you. Good win. Thanks. And, yes, very easy one there. I know you, you, uh, you've you been talking about the Raiders on this podcast for a long time. So that was a nice, easy victory in Indy for you there. Yeah, Indy, you know, Indy was was really banged up um, on both sides of the ball, um, especially on the defense. The offense wasn't as as bad on the the total list, but with when Hilton's out, the offense just doesn't doesn't have any kind of threat on the outside and uh, makes them very one dimensional. And the Raiders defense um, has has definitely um, definitely played very well this year uh, with it being year two under under Paul Gunther and that was a lot of the angle on, on liking the Raiders so much this season was um, you know Paul Gunther's uh, one of the better defensive coordinators in the league and usually year two goes much smoother than year one after getting your system implemented. Very true very true so we saw a ton of road teams uh, win in week four there you feel like there was something to that or was that just a product of the matchups that we saw? I think it was a product of the matchups um and also i think that the 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 books overvalue or the public you know the book the the book set up some of their lines based off how the public's going to react and i think there was some overvalue there um in regards to the matchup because some of those home dogs had you know a lot of momentum uh, even though you know someone like buffalo uh, they may not have pulled that game off but it was theirs for the taking um and it's you know simply for buffalo that's even though it's early in this season for them as a franchise um, to, to be undefeated and have a defense that they have this year going up against New England. That was a big, that was a big deal for them. It was one of their biggest games and, you know, in the last couple of years, really. So, you know, uh, a lot of times that, that momentum that these teams are carrying and the motivation of why uh, has a lot to do with being able to catch um And I guess that, you know, they were at home, they weren't necessarily on the road, but uh, it was the same case with some of the road teams too, um, you know, with uh, the Panthers and the Raiders. You know, it's funny. I feel like every week that we've talked, we're kind of saying, Oh, well, there goes another quarterback that goes down. And we didn't have too much of that, but it's funny that you brought up Buffalo because that, you know, they were the only team. Well, actually, you know, not we're forgetting about Mitch Trubisky there with the bears too. So 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, two more quarterbacks going down. Going to have a little bit of a uh, Chase Daniel and Matt Barkley in the mix, possibly here uh, for us in Week Five. Well, definitely for the Bears with Daniel, and then uh, I know Allen's still up in the air uh, for this week, I believe. So we. Uh, I think. Um... I, I, I do think that, you know, for the, in the Bears' circumstances, though, you know, Chase Daniels knows that offense uh, extremely well yeah. um, from, from having ran the same offense at different organizations. So I don't really know if there's much of a short-term drop-off for Chicago there. So uh, it might not be a bad thing um, to have Chase Daniels in there, especially with Trubisky being, you know, um, still a little bit lukewarm and um, not really growing the way they've, I think, expected him to do this year. All right, so, uh, you know, going forward for the rest of the season, we're going to be doing this podcast a little later in the week. That way we get a little more uh, reactionary time and, you know, make sure that we got our uh, I's dotted and T's crossed and whatnot going into uh, the upcoming week. So, you know, without further ado, let's get into some of these week five matchups that we got coming up. Um, you know, Thursday night, of course, we're starting off uh, NFC West battle up in the great northwest. We got the Rams at the Seahawks. Uh, so that line actually opened uh, in favor. Well, the Rams were one-point favorites. I'm sorry, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Uh, now one-and-a-half-point dogs going up to Seattle. feel a lot of that has to do with you know how that game against my Tampa Bay Buccaneers played out. That was fantastic to see Jameis and the boys get that done. Uh, we also saw the total go from 48 to 49-and-a-half in this one. Uh, any, any particular matchups or uh, any scenarios that, that we're looking uh, forward to in this one? Uh, well, yeah, I actually um, emailed my clients what my play is on the game um, just a little bit ago this evening, and I'll, I'll share that with you. Um, as for the the side, it's it's a coin flip game to me. Um, of course, it's a division game, you know, Rams, Seahawks on a short week, and um, I really wouldn't be enticed with either side uh, getting anything less than three because um, I feel like it's you know definitely going down in the last five minutes, which – Seemed like you could say for every NFL game, but this one I could see being very tight all the way to the last five minutes without you know either one really being able to pull away early. Um, the play that I like uh, that I'm putting my money behind um, is under 50 at minus 112. Okay. Most shops have it right now at 49, 49 and a half, but uh, I bought it up to 50. Nice. And some of the reason um, that I like the under is we're on a short week, which is a disadvantage usually to the defenses in times to prepare. But again, because of this being a division matchup and the familiarity between the two teams, um, I think some of that learning curve, you know, preparation curve is, is, isn't as sharp. Um, and I also, of course, we know that Seattle's going to look to establish the run. Um, and I think the Rams will as well uh, from, you know, watching the Tampa Bay game last week and, uh, it's hard to say what their game plan was coming in because they got down so early. They were kind of forced to really throw the ball a lot, but I think that um, they're definitely exposing some, some weaknesses in their passing game by not being able to be balanced and get the run game going. So I see them coming in tomorrow night and really making an effort to establish the run, uh, which will be difficult, um, of course, against Seattle. But I think they're going to try to stick with it a little bit longer as long as they don't fall you know, real far behind. And uh, another main reason I like the under tomorrow night is uh, I think the Rams are going to scrap a lot of their hurry-up look. Um, I don't think it's very effective uh, going up against the Seattle crowd. It's very, very hard to communicate, especially on a nationally televised um, 
night game, you know, uh, in Seattle. So I'm all over the the under 50. I, I think it gets off to a really, really slow start. Unfortunately, they they um, the books are being pretty sharp with the uh, first half under. I, I haven't been able to really find anything uh, under 24. Um, and even that, I don't know if I'd pull the tricks. I think it gets off to a really slow start. And then um, both teams may be forced to try to open it up some in the second half. And we could see the scoring pick up, but uh, for the whole game, I'm, I'm, I'm an under 50. I love it. So that uh, one of the things I was looking at in that game. Uh, so we've got the Ram, and you mentioned it here a little bit. Uh, Rams second fastest situation neutral pace in the NFL, going up against the the Seahawks, which have the second slowest uh, situation situation neutral uh, pace in the NFL. So uh, you know, it's funny sometimes. You know, you'll probably see that pace of play dictate more to the home team, which is exactly what you were saying there. So sure. uh, definitely, uh, you know, it, it's interesting with Seattle, you know, like all these years they've really focused on the defense and, you know, and been so successful in that regard. And now they're turning into this running team, which is crazy. It's like, who are these guys? We don't even recognize them. But yeah, ever since last year, that, that's kind of been their MO. Well, I think the, you know, the NFL is a league where the, um, you know, the innovative and smart coaches are ahead of the curve. Um, and like you said, Seattle, I think really started trying to implement more of a power run game last year. And if you've seen the, uh, the geniuses over in new England, um, have, have done the same thing last year, really, really look to add pieces to their roster, uh, for a power run game. Cause as these defenses get smaller, we're going to see, we're going to see some more copycatting, um, of, of the run game. So, you know, it, it doesn't really surprise me. Pete Carroll likes to stay ahead of the curve. He did it on defense, you know, with the long rangey cornerbacks. And I think he's looking to do the same thing on offense with the run game. So, uh, on Sunday, we're going to have our first, uh, London game of the NFL season, uh, we're going to have the Bears, who opened up as six-and-a-half-point favorites, have since gone down to five-and-a-half. Uh, got the total, which opened at 41, made a slight uh, dip down there to 40-and-a-half. What, uh, what do you look for in some of these London games that, that are going on there? I mean, obviously it's a you know much different week of preparation and uh, getting ready and all that kind of stuff. So, uh, you know, what's the, what's the thought here? Uh, I think it's very similar to, you know, an early in the season matchup or or just like we were just saying with um, the Thursday night game. But you can't judge all teams on an absolute of how these things affect them. Um, I think some of the advantages to, you know, playing on a Thursday night or, or playing uh, outside of the country to where it takes a lot of the preparation time um, away is for, as a, like familiarity and the system that they run rather the offense and defense and of course you know a veteran quarterback or something like that is, is also great in the circumstance with the game we have this week um, we really can't find those factors because Oakland's coaching staff is in year two uh, Derek Carr even though is a veteran still doesn't always play like a veteran <laughs> um, especially it seems like in situations where he's uncomfortable which you know, not knowing him as a person and, and how the travel affects him and his family and life and things like that, we're not sure of. And then on Chicago, everything would match up well, um, except for that we do have Chase Daniel in there that I mentioned I don't think is a real bad drop-off. And if this would have been maybe his second start of the season, um, it wouldn't have much effect at all. But being that it's his first start and it's still a surprise to the team. And then having to deal with that while also traveling to London, I think takes effect. Um, and like on Thursday night games, I think the, 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 the defense 
uh, definitely takes the brunt of lack of preparation in regards to, um, you know, having to deal with outside circumstances that take you away from the film and, and getting coached up on what to expect from the offense. So kind of a side note here, uh, we saw at some point during the week, uh, Roquan Smith is going to be taking a uh, leave of absence from the Bears. And, you know, reports are saying he's not, uh, quote unquote, feeling like himself, which is, you know, weird within itself. Um, do you, I mean, look, this Bears defense has been unbelievable to start the season. How big is that that loss going to be for the Bears? Well, I think. They showed last week without him that I, I, I don't think that he's um, a major key piece um, at this point. Uh, you know, he's he's a freak of an athlete, um, but I, I don't see that taking a, a real big toll on the defense. So me personally, I, I wouldn't grade my handicapping any differently on the Bears defense with or without him. All right. Fair enough. Uh, let's get into some games of interest that we're going to have this week. Um We've got the uh, the Ravens open as three point favorites. Since gone to three and a half at the Steelers, uh, total jumped two points from forty two and a half to forty four and a half. Uh, we saw the Steelers finally get their their first win of the season on Monday Night Football. Uh, how do you how do you feel the the public is going to be on this? Do you think the public realized that they didn't play a great game, or do you think the public is going to see? the box score and say, ah, man, 27 to three, they, they finally are back on track. What, what, what do you think uh, most of these people are going to do here? Um, I, I, I feel like the public still, still probably values the, uh, the Ravens a little more than Steelers um, just for the simple fact of, of key name at quarterback and at the skill position. I, I don't really feel that way about this game this week. I, I think the, the Ravens got off to that kind of hot start and have kind of regressed some, um, especially on, on offense. And they're, you know, going into a hostile environment in Pittsburgh. So um, I, I think the public's probably probably going to keep backing the Ravens uh, going into this game. But um, you know, and, and not even to get into the Steelers Ravens rivalry and hmm. it being a division game and everything else, I don't think it's going to be uh, an easy victory for the Ravens. Um, I haven't really made a final decision on the game yet. Um, as for the over/under, I've already scrapped that completely, and that goes back to this being a Ravens-Steelers game. You know, it'd be nothing to see this game go nine to six, and it would be wouldn't be surprising either to see it up around twenty-eight, twenty-four. So, uh, both teams know each other really well, and and they're used to studying the film on 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 each other, and um, so it could be a very very gridlocked matchup, and then it could also be where both teams were able to find us. Uh, something they can take advantage of from, you know, the Steeler and Raven teams of the past and, and put up some points as well. So the over-under is off, off my card, but I'm still studying on the sides. And I would say I'm leaning more towards Pittsburgh. It would probably be a Pittsburgh or nothing for me. Yeah, Mason Rudolph certainly going to have to do more than uh, – or do uh, a little more than throw two passes uh, over the line of scrimmage, certainly for this one to work. Uh, don't think that that same recipe is going to work this time around. Um, we got the Vikings uh, opening as five point favorites, slight jump up to five and a half at the Giants. Uh, total went from 46 to 44 in this one. I mean, look, the Vikings, they've had a couple shoddy games here on offense. We know, you know, the type of talent that they have on defense. Uh, Giants, very lucky 2 0 since Daniel Jones took over. They definitely should have lost that game against the Bucks. Thanks, Matt Gay. Really appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what, uh, what do you see happening in this one? It's a, it was an easy scratch for me. Um, it's, 
you, you just kind of knocked it knocked it out of the park with you know the Vikings. You just really don't know what you're going to get at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, very tough to difficult or to handicap them right now with how they've kind of you know Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, uh, especially with them going on the road now. On the flip side, you have the Giants. They have a lot of momentum, a lot of excitement. Um, you know, the Giant fans are, you know, they're all back on the wagon uh, playing at home this week. But Daniel Jones is still, you know, watching the tape on Jones. He's just, I mean, he looks good and he's making plays. And I think they've definitely done the right thing in putting him in there and playing him. But I think as tape continues to develop for defensive coordinators against him, they're going to, you know, if there's things that I'm noticing and mistakes that he's making, um, I'm sure they will too, and that'll eventually catch up to them. But uh, will it be Minnesota this week or not? I, I can't say. Um, so I, I really can't pick up a read on the game. I think the line is pretty sharp. Um, you know, it's it's probably going to be a, a close game one way or another. I really don't think the Giants get blown out at home, and I'd be surprised to see um, you know Minnesota with their experienced coaching staff um, not be able to find a way to move the ball next week. Even though the you know not really comparing the Giants to the Bears defense, but uh, I didn't have Minnesota last week, but I did still expect them to be able to you know somewhat score because of the weapons they have and how they've been able to develop a running game earlier in the year. But um, this one Sunday, Vikings Giants, hard one for me to call. You have to have to find somebody with an edge because I just can't find one in it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Uh, all right. I think this is a very interesting game here with the Falcons at the Texans. You got the Falcons at one and three tech, uh, Texans two and two, both teams lost, uh, you know, kind of heartbreaking in their own way, right? Texans had a chance to pull it out there at the end. Uh, Falcons just absolutely did not show up at all. Uh, you can, uh, you can make a slight argument that each team's season is on the line here. Texans opened it as four point favorites jumped slightly to five. Uh, we had a, a total, you know, jump down uh, one point from 49 and a half to 48 and a half. Who, <laughs> who's going to be the more desperate team and pull this one out on Sunday? Well, just like to the previous game we spoke of, you know, one of the greatest weapons you have um, in combating, you know, the, the sports books and the other betters is, is your ability to pass. <laughs> you know, the sports books have to ha- have to hang a line because, you know, the competition is going to hang a line on a game. But, um, you know, this is a, this is another one. Um, it's just, you know, the Falcons just really seem to be all over the place. They, they played a great game against Philly and then uh, turn around uh, this next week and, and just drop the ball like they did. Um, and the Texans, you know, the Texans, they, they have everything except for a head coach. And, and it's, you know, that's a very important thing to have. I've, I've never really been uh, a, a big supporter um, with, with their head coach. So, you know, it's always hard for me to put money behind the guy because you, know, you look at the Texans, um, not just on paper, but oftentimes when you watch the film on, on one of their games, you think, man, they're Super Bowl contenders, you know, on defense and offense, skill position, uh, so many things going for them, but somehow they always seem to not really be able to just take off with that momentum um, and perform the way that they're capable of performing. And, you know, if that happens for a half a year or a couple weeks, then maybe it's something else, but it seems like it's been a very uh, 
consistent inconsistency with them and uh, has to you know at some point it has to go to the head coach and I, I would love to see their group you know under someone else's um, leadership to see you know if they could be more consistent and become a powerhouse in their division but uh, same thing right now just you know I think there's other better bets on the board and, and for that reason I, I I scrapped that game off as as being a possibility for me as well. Fair enough. All the all these indoor games are supposed to be helping Matty Ice and the boys. Not so much so far. Not so much. No. All no. right. Let's uh, let's get in a little bit of prime time here. Uh, you know, we'll call it the prime time light game of the night. Uh, Cow actually Packers at the Cowboys. Um, we I I'm sorry on the notes I wrote this wrong, but uh, Cowboys open as four point favorites down to three and a half here. Uh, total going from forty eight to forty six and a half. Now what's interesting. Last thing we remember about the Packers, that Thursday night loss against the Eagles. But we've seen this before. Teams with a little bit of extra preparation, getting it done. Uh, and on the same on the same side, too, you know, we, we saw the Cowboys uh, on primetime Sunday night, you know, not, not really do so much there on offense against the Saints. So uh, two teams looking to rebound here. How do you think this one plays out? I, I, think, I think both teams are – are legit playoff contenders, of course. Um, they both seem to be in a good situation to bounce back. The Cowboys uh, have some issues on the offensive line now. After losing uh, Smith, their left tackle, uh, he won't he won't be there for this game. But um, for Green Bay, and this was part of my write up for last Thursday night that I don't I think people just misvalued was uh, their defensive lineman Montravius Adams was absent from last game it was a huge part of my edge because he's he might not jump out on the paper of the stats or anything else but when you watch one film you know every good defensive line has that dog you know that that effort guy who's the dog you see him getting the other defensive lineman fired up he, he's really helping control the line of scrimmage and he didn't play last week he's questionable uh, for this week right now as well. And and without him in there, I think even with uh, the Cowboys missing Smith, that they're able to establish a run game against Green Bay. Um, so while most people are focused on the, you know, is Devontae Adams playing, I'm actually on the defensive side of uh, Montrevious Adams and wondering if he's going to be playing. Because if he does play against the uh, Dallas defensive line that's getting thinned out, um, I think there could be some havoc that they can create by controlling the offensive line of Dallas and making it very hard for them to run. And even though Dak Prescott and has gotten better and the weapons have gotten better as well, if the Cowboys can't run the ball, their offense just doesn't work. And if that's going to be the case um, on Sunday, then you know, I'll be backing the Packers. But too, too many injury concerns right now. Uh, the Packers are thin at D-line, so there's not really anyone to step up and, and take Adams' spot. And uh, last week they also had their inside linebacker, Burks, who basically plays right behind Adams out of the game as well. So – you know, the Eagles were able to really uh, run the ball between the tackles and, and set up a lot of their uh, RPO and play action offense. And Dallas may have that same opportunity, but um, because of the time of the week, it is just not real sure yet, you know, how these injuries are going to shake out. And until that's determined, it's, it's hard to make the final decision on the game. But I think it's going to be a great game. I think both teams are headed in the right direction. And um, once they get back to full health, they're going to be very dangerous. Um. Looking at Sunday night football here, we've got the Colts at the Chiefs. Uh, Chiefs open as nine-point favorites, go up to 11. Uh, total even jumps here as well, 54 up to 56 and a half. Uh, do Mahomes and the boys keep this rolling, or do the Colts have a little something up their sleeve here on Sunday night? 
I think the Colts have a little something up their sleeve. Um, yeah, I, I, I definitely think the Colts have something up their sleeve. I, I, last week, you know, they like the, we've already talked about the Raiders winning in, in Indy, and uh, a lot of that were the, the Colts just didn't have a full team um, for what they're trying to do and, and, and what they're capable of doing on offense. Uh, I love uh, Frank Wright, head coach of, of the Colts, especially in this spot. I think he knows exactly what he's dealing with and looks to uh, use their strong offensive line to establish the run and you know keep Mahomes off the field and getting some of their defensive players back next week as well. So um, I haven't personally plugged in the Colts yet because we want to get some confirmations on uh, the injury report and what's going on. Uh, if T.Y. Hilton doesn't play, probably automatically goes to a no-go just because of that. Um, not that we expect him to you know, get 10 catches and 150 yards and dominate the game, but um, – not that he, he couldn't, but, you know, also just to his presence on the field on takes a lot of um, attention away from the defense and would probably open up that Colts running game. Uh, my, my last report was that Hilton probably going to expect to play this week, but, you know, until we get um, something a little more solid, probably wouldn't pull the trigger on it. I think the sports book right here for, you know, definitely sets you up to uh, – being able to see this pattern, they open that line at you know nine, nine and a half at some spots, and we've seen it blow right past ten, ten and a half immediately. And I think they kind of expected that, so they were more than willing to uh, to allow people to get in at the Chiefs at at minus nine and a half. And that should tell you something, um, especially when we could easily see this you know possibly reach as high as thirteen by Sunday night. Interesting, interesting. Uh, Monday night football, of course. Uh... Battle of the handsome quarterbacks here, Mr. Baker Mayfield at Jimmy G. Uh, Brown's going to be coming in as three-and-a-half-point underdogs here. Uh, total really didn't do much, 47 to 46-and-a-half. Uh, we could probably see that fluctuate a little bit uh, before kickoff, being that it's a Monday night game. Um, Browns played great on Sunday. They really did backs up against the wall in Baltimore. Uh, they came out swinging. Do you think they got it again for the Niners? It's, this is going to be a, a great Monday night game for, you know, uh, just Finally. Uh, people who want to just watch football. <laughs> and also for us handicappers as well, I think um, this is one that we're going to see uh, all over the board in regards to who likes what. You have the Browns who have all that hype behind them. We've finally seen some of that come out on Sunday. And, and I also think, you know, Freddie Kitchens and the coaching staff did the right thing by uh, establishing a more balanced offense. And they really showed, um, you know, what they're capable of doing against a, a good Baltimore defense, even without Jimmy Smith at cornerback. San Francisco, you know, coming off a of bye week and um, the offense has, you know, really been clicking and playing well um, so far this year. So it's not one that I have made a final decision. What I, I think what I'm really watching is, is the under. And um, some of that is, I think the overs being a little bit overvalued, of course, because of the Browns potential. And then also because of the stats and points per game that we're seeing from San Francisco. Um, but I do think both teams are probably going to look to establish the run. And I haven't punched any tickets yet on the game, but very excited about it. I think it's a great Monday night game for us to you know, have this week. Um, it also just for some reason has a setup of a game that might be great for in-game live betting. You know, it, I don't know why, but um, I just can see this probably because of the coaching staffs and how aggressive they like to be in their play calling. I can see, you know, someone jumping out 10 nothing, 14 nothing, mm -hmm. and having an opportunity to get a good number with them and then 
seeing it be 14 nothing you know the next quarter uh, as someone else makes a run so whether it's a defense or offense struggle i think it's definitely going to be a, a battle of two up-and-coming teams so very excited for the monday night just um haven't made a final decision of, of where the most value is um a lot of things to cover you know in regards to that game with as i said before with san francisco coming off a of bye week and, and cleveland's offense finally starting to get get it together a little bit um let's look at the so the biggest movement of the week uh was pretty interesting uh my bucks opening up there at seven uh, jumping all the way down to three we know this has a lot to do with that game that that unbelievable performance that they just had in la uh watching the saints pretty closely last week uh being as how they were the uh primetime game there on sunday night you know, it doesn't look like they're gonna they're really gonna take many shots down the field. I like what Tampa's doing with blitz packages and just getting pressure on the quarterback. Uh, what what say you on this one? Is this too much of an overreaction to the Bucks, or are the Saints in just prime position to pounce on this three point line here? Um, I think the 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 line is very sharp. Um, I think it's a phenomenal line by the sports books at three at, at three uh you know the seven was kind of a look ahead i think the westgate or something like that posted a six and a half or seven way back on the 24th mm-hmm. um most of the books opened this up at you know four or four and a half or something like that so you know the movement down to three isn't as big and of course you know there, there's a lot of talk about the line being much higher and I can tell you this if it was bucks plus seven I'd be all over it today <laughs> if I could have got all over it you know yesterday I would have done that too and um but also you know and the, actually I guess to expound on that the reason being is the bucks overhaul of their coaching staff is paying immediate dividends yes. so you'll love what I have to say about the bucks because I'm high on the bucks right now if you want um, to say it twice go ahead you know yeah I mean, I'm, you know, hey, just I'm, in case I, people I, didn't hear it the first time you know Bucks ownership finally did the right thing. I mean, Dirk Cutter was, you know, I, I can't say I had him on my fade list where I would always bet against him, but it was very hard to put money behind uh, Tampa Bay under Dirk Cutter. So I was glad to see as a football fan, just to see the coaching overhaul. Um, Todd Bowles is just, done a phenomenal job with the defense. Um, speaking of how that affects this game on Sunday, you know, the Saints look very reluctant to throw the ball downfield. They really don't trust Teddy Bridgewater and he looks very uncomfortable um, in making his reads from the pocket and Tampa Bay hasn't given up a hundred yards a game to anybody yet. Um, and then that, that goes back to Todd Bowles' defense, you know, they, they kind of got shredded a little bit against the pass, but that was expected with the big lead last week yeah. on the flip side, they're going into new Orleans and it's just a nightmare for teams to play there. You know, maybe not quite like Seattle, and also New Orleans defense has really stepped up in Drew Brees' absence and their D-line is just firing off the ball. Um, it's going to be a great game. It's definitely one whether I have action on it or not, I'm going to want to watch. Um, and almost as a Tampa Bay fan, I'm very curious uh, after this big Tampa Bay win on the road, um, what they're going to look like traveling into New Orleans with all that momentum. And if Jamin, Jameis Winston can just bottle that, you know, yeah. continue to be consistent and and not get uh, a little bit overly aggressive. Uh, Tampa Bay could be, you know, could pull out another an, another big road win, uh, division road win this week. So it's um it's one that uh, that that's going to definitely be. It's one of the better matchups on the on the board this week to watch. Sure. You know? 
and and for you know future reference of what to expect from these teams moving forward. So now I'm very excited for your Bucks, man. You you should be very excited this year. Yeah, uh, I think I think they're going to make some noise down there. Um, this is a great chance for them to, you know, definitely um, put their feet down in the division uh, divisional race with if they could try to steal one, you know, from New Orleans um, and New Orleans, and and they do have a good chance, you know, at some point. The Saints are going to have to let Teddy Bridgewater throw the ball. Um, and he's going to have to trust that he can throw the ball. And until then, um, it's going to be hard for them to score points. And uh, if that's their game plan against Tampa Bay's established to run. I, I have to tell them good luck. And yeah. um, if I was a fly on the wall inside the Saints coaching room, that was the plan this week. That I'd feel much more confident to uh, to pull the trigger on Tampa Bay. But, you know, great game. Definitely going to be a great game. All right. To close out. Today, tonight's podcast, we always got, I love talking about these big spreads. I think they're hysterical because sometimes you get a team that can creep in there. Sometimes they just get their tails kicked in. So the two highest spreads of the week that we got here, we got the Patriots at the Redskins. Uh, la, 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 where we got the line here. We had Patriots at 14 and a half uh, in this one uh, with the total making a jump from, what is it, 45.5 to 42. Some of my opening numbers were off here on the notes. That's all right. Picking it back up. Uh, and then, of course, we've got the Eagles' 14-point favorite against the Jets in this one, which I guess we could play the game of which one's more likely to cover, which one's not. Do you think they both cover? Do you think they both not cover? Uh, I I, I got to believe the Patriots are going to continue to uh, – keep stomping these bad teams and what say you um you know you've you've been talking to me now for a couple weeks uh of the season and you you probably have a good idea of my take on on these games but i gotta uh, ask the questions no no i know yeah we'll definitely (laughs) go through them um the new england redskins um you know you can't take the redskins here uh uh, you know you, you heard me say this week's past can't take the redskins here also just don't trust, you know, New England's overall game plan. They, they might come out throttle them in the first half and then not care. They may come out looking to not show anything from the playbook and just grind out a, you know, slow and boring win. Um, so, you know, that one, it's, it's, it's really hard to say, but you know, the Redskins are not going to beat the Patriots. So they, you know, I love pulling the, pulling the, the big money line um, underdog tickets and, and cashing those, but, I think only a fool would, you know, think that the Redskins have a chance to win whether they're, they're home or not. Uh, on, on the other game, though, um, I think the Eagles, the Eagles might might just destroy the Jets. Uh, I haven't really made a decision on, on if I'm going to put my money behind um, my words right there yet, but um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if the Eagles look to see if this is a, you know, Doug Peterson makes this a momentum builder and, and they really come in there and, and look to put a hurting on the Jets. Um, they got the big win on Thursday night at Green Bay. So, you know, they've had an extended week to prepare as well. Yep. I think the the Jets are coming right off a of bye week. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. So, you know, but I mean, I don't know if they have much to prepare with. <laughs> um, it's like, you know, if you have someone and they have a nice big bag of ingredients and you can cook dinner in an hour and you give some other guy, you, get, you can give him an extra week and he doesn't have any ingredients, it's going to be hard to hard to come up with much. <laughs> um, that's going to taste good. So, but I, I do think that, that uh, from a psychological standpoint that Doug Peterson, this is a situation where he might see some blood in the water and follow up that big Thursday night uh, win by just looking to destroy the Jets. Um, you know, they're, they're 
that, that they also are coming off of seeing Dallas get beat and then also get beat up on in regards to their injury report as well. So I think they see a little crack in the door, uh, which might have them a little extra motivated, even though they're playing the Lily Jets. So the Eagles minus 13 is probably a good bet. All right. All right, folks, this was Chris Dawson talking to us about week five of the NFL season. Make sure you go check out all of his content at sportspredictor.com, where professional bettors share their best plays. Get the winning edge by subscribing to the sports picks packages from long-term winning bettors like Chris himself. Also, follow us on Twitter at PredictorHQ. You can follow Chris there as well at CashGritty. Any any closing thoughts uh, as we approach week five? Take advantage of under 50 tomorrow night. Get your week off to a good start. Check out sportspredictor.com to see what we have in store for you on Sunday. All right. Very cool. All right, folks. I am Al Walsh. Uh, We'll be back with another podcast uh, at the end of the week. We'll be talking to Rory Sheridan, who is a a great NHL better. Uh, He's built some great models and things of that nature. So uh, we'll have that one posted uh, after this one with Chris. So, Definitely stay tuned in. All right, we'll talk to you later. See you. Thanks, Chris. Bye.